I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got that amazing plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Andre here. My brother Chris Stewart not here. All right, peace, Stewie. Stewie busy working away in the fields. The fields of actually working in the food industry. A bad man at bad mash. <laughs> that is uh, right. Uh, mm-hmm. You did it. Had that one written for like two days now. <laughs> it's in my notes. You've been dying to squeeze it up. Well, uh, it's it's another Friday night. This pod's going to be out tomorrow morning. We've we've got into the wine once again. <laughs> got into it after after we record Snuck into this. That closet. After we record this, we're gonna make some elk tartare. Uh huh. Some pan fried elk steak. Pan fried elk steak. We really need to get into the habit of eating before and then talking about it, which makes sense, but it doesn't sound as fun. It's more fun to do the pod, get a little buzzed. And then just start chopping up those shallots. Well, last week, I mean, yeah, it just means that we have to cook sometime before we podcast something, even if it's not. Because last week we made elk burgers and elk bolognese. Did we? No, we made the elk bolognese after we podcasted. So we talk about that. Yeah, we sure can. Right. But yeah. yes, no. But as long as we have something to talk about that we made. It works, but it's not fun eating before podcasting unless it's a small dish. It's not fun at all. Yeah, you're kind of tired and like you're not in the mood. This gets you excited. Yeah, the eating afterwards. Yeah, you know, if if you're like me, eating is a reward. Yes. If you're like anybody listening to this podcast, eating is probably a reward. With your fat ass, you like to do it. Ooh, this one's good. You like this one? What are you getting off of there? I don't know. Kind of slam mine real quick. It's been a long day. Just kidding. What do I want? I said one sip. It's bright. Oh, it's bright. We're tasting wine live. Um, this is like, I mean. Dark cherry? Sure. Sweet dark cherry. Maraschino. Maraschino. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. I'll do it with you off the air. Ooh, cinnamon. Mmm. Is that quail egg? Clove. That? You got a little quail egg on yeah. the on the tail. And some raccoon fur in the front. You know, I see quail around when I'm hiking sometimes. National bird of California, right? Isn't mm. that the state bird? I feel like that's no. <laughs> but that's a no? Quail is the state bird now. Then what is right. it? I, w- I don't know. Ooh, California State Bird is the California quail. Really? Yeah, dog. Why'd you say that like um, Jeopardy from SNL? <laughs> is the California quail. And the show has reached a new low. <laughs> no, get on you. I just, I'm actually super surprised that quail is a state bird. Daddy knows his states. I can't name any birds from any states. Most states I can't even name capitals I don't, from. I don't really hang out with birds from the states anyway. <laughs> no, it's like... What I, about the state flower? You know that, right? Poppy? Got it. All right. That was a wild guess, by the way. Well, you see the you see the quail. I see the quail running around the forest when I'm hiking. <laughs> and you get hungry. 
No, but I, I see they 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 really seem more or less just like a like a chicken. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they can't fly. They're like a ground bird, and they kind of just like waddle around. Wait, when you shoot when you go out shooting for quail, they don't actually get in the air. You're just like shooting at the ground. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I think they're sort of like chickens, how they can like fly a little bit, like they can get like six feet up off the ground, but they're more or less just right. kind of running around. Yeah. So you could argue that God put them there. So for they got us like a lunch. white man can't jump situation going. Yeah, they're they're destined to be no hops. They have no hops at all. Well, got I mean, it. arguably they have hey, mo- hey, a lot of hops. A little. No hops. flies. No flies. <laughs> no flies. They have more hops than anyone. But, like, you know, the quail, I mean, why don't we eat more quails? What's going on with that? It's such a rarity. And they're just sitting there ready for us to munch. I think at some point somebody figured out that chickens are just easier, larger to eat. There's more yield in meat as far as a fowl goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you make the argument that we should all be eating turkeys and nobody would be eating chickens. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Quail's just so delicious with all that buckshot in it. When somebody brings over some birds for you to eat, I got mm-hmm. this myself. Um, so speaking of shooting, we've we've been really on a on an elk tear. Mm-hmm. We have to be. <laughs> we have to be. Um, yeah. How did our elk burgers turn out last week? Wait, we didn't talk about this yet. No, because we, we did it after we potted. Uh, I thought we okay. I thought we did it two weeks ago. We skipped a week and then got it. Elk burgers were fantastic. I was shocked how good they were in a way that I would be more than happy to order that instead of a beef burger on a menu. Yeah. Luckily, our, our, uh, our elk was cut with some beef fat. Yeah, 10% beef tallow, right? But those, those, I really, the streets were talking? Yes, yeah, 10% beef tallow. I yeah. feel like with that burger, you want to... I don't know how to get it to where it's ideally medium rare. Because even though ours were delicious, they were a little... They're a little over on. And they, I mean, there wasn't a ton of pink going on. You'd have to make the. We made the patties fairly flat. I mean, you could do kind of a thicker patty to begin with, and then you're going to have a medium rib, but you're also going to have overcooked meat in between that. Mm. I mean, you could try sous viding them. Um, we still have another package of ground elk to use. Sure. I thought. I mean, it's kind of like when you get. I mean, they weren't as thin as an In-N-Out burger, but it it had that element of like the crust was really good on them. Yeah, crust was very good, and it was like it kind of was like a burger that I didn't mind not being perfect medium rare. Although they weren't medium, they were somewhere in between. They weren't totally overcooked, but they had a crust on them and they had a flavor on them where I was like, oh, this isn't this isn't like a shitty overcooked beef burger. This is a slightly overcooked, delicious, delicious tasting elk burger. I and agree. there was it. There was. It wasn't as gamey or grassy as the venison I've had, or even some buffalo. Um, it was milder than both of those, and it also had this kind of little weird X factor. That was like that was a good kind of like, what is this? Mm. What did you do to this? If you didn't know that it was elk, and you'd, I would say I would be hard pressed to figure instantly that it was elk in a way that sometimes you. You eat game meat. You're just like, oh, okay, this is strong for sure. Not bad, but like you know right away, this was way more mellow. And again, 10% beef tallow. So we'll find out tonight when we actually just eat the steak and the tartare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm dying to really just hit it raw and and just wow, <laughs> just taste okay. those flavors. Ouch, taste those flavors that are are going to be get in real deep. 
and raw. Yeah, that's the problem is I'm going to be hitting it raw, but then it's also going to be combined with all these like tartar like ingredients, which are going to really Dijon. mask the flavor. What's going in there? So you got a bag of tricks. A little, a little Dijon. Why would you bring Dijon here? A little bit of mayo, just in case. Or mayo. I don't know. Has uh, this house ever not had multiple kinds of mayo? You have QP. I don't want to. I don't want to use all your condiments up. How much? How much tartar are we making? <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be much. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. You, it was not, you're so nice to lug over, lug over a satchel mm-hmm. of goodies. I yeah, was I'm going like, oh, to go. A little mayo, a little Dijon, salt, pep. Um, some real finely diced shallot, some cornichon. For sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Well, it can also it can take stages, various stages as it's yeah. mixed. Um, yeah, some, lemon. some Italian parsley, maybe a little lemon zest, maybe a little lemon, lemon zest. maybe a little bit of that red wine vinegar that you have that's so juicy. You got a crack of freshy. Maybe a little bit of Parmigiano. Maybe a little bit of egg yolk. Egg yolk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a classic. It, it has a texture a, a lot of times to tartare that sometimes I'm not a fan of. But it gets a little slimy for you? Depends. Depends on what else is in there and how well the yolk's pulled out. But yeah. It yeah. can be. I think I'm yeah, I'm gonna go straight. It can add a texture that I think a lot of times is unnecessary. But that's also a holdover from a very traditional French tartare that always has a mm-hmm. big yolk on top. And there's a lot of traditional French cooking that, you know, is the basis in the Bible of modern cooking period but also a lot of the dishes i don't like eating because i find you know it's like yeah just because it's traditional doesn't mean that it's necessarily my favorite version i don't i mean i find it completely edible but yeah just because steak au pois is very traditional doesn't mean i want to cover my steak in that stuff Mm-mm. i was uh, <clears throat> i brought over some other some other wild card I, sometimes I, w- I was thinking about doing a little crispy um black lentil mm-hmm. mixed in there for a little crunch Maybe mm. a little toasted sesame seed. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little sunflower seed to pair with that gaminess. That sunflower seeds is probably not going to happen. No. I, I just had some I, left I over. I would have called that. I like that. Did you bring any aromatics over? Tarragon or... No. Yeah. I mean, just shallot. Yeah, yeah. Parsley. Parsley's aromatic. Sure. It counts. And then, and then we're going to fry that other steak up. It's kind of a thin one, huh? Yeah. It's not... It's not as thin as like a bad supermarket steak, but it's like inch? under an inch, inch to an under an inch, three quarter. It'll be, it'll cook well for sure. I'm not, not, it's not too thin, but yeah, it's not like. How are you gonna do it? Just high heat, blast it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Salt, no pep. High mm-hmm. heat, cast iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never sear with the pep. It just burns. Mm-hmm. Pep it after. Mm-hmm. Pep it after. Okay, maybe hit a little butter at the end. Ooh, that'd be naughty. I hope you. I mean, okay, we can definitely do that. I just think we have another alkaline steak to play with. This one, I think, should be as pared down as possible. Like the like the burgers we had. Granted, there was a bun, Mm -hmm. but it was just condiments and bun, right? And and a little bit of my burger was just mayonnaise, super thin white onion. Yeah, I had well sweet onion. I did super Mm -hmm. thin white onion. Or sweet onion, because I figured we'd have a little bit of that. Mm. But other than that, there wasn't like bacon, there wasn't tomato, there wasn't lettuce. It was just, you know. I didn't even put ketchup on the damn thing. I put ketchup and mayo, a little bit of mustard, and then a little bit of onion. But very light versions of them. But we also made elk. And 
Well, sorry, but and I tasted the patty. We all had a little bit of the patty before. We took one patty and just ate it raw. Or not raw, <laughs> but like no condiments, just to try it. And we, everybody, even before we made the burgers, was like, "Oh, these are going to be really good." Because this patty alone, I'd be happy to eat like with a salad. This was very good. Patty alone. Patty's Ooh. always alone in the corner. Mm. Nobody wants to dance with her. Um, we also made elk bolognese. Which was also really good. Which worked out really well. Yeah. I was ta- when I was at Lou, the wine store, talking to him about it. I was talking to him about making that. And he said if he was to do that next time, he would, he would do a ragu in a bag sous vide style. Mm. Just to make sure, since it's so at risk of drying out. Right. That elk meat. Um, so would he do a ragu in a bag, meaning like there would be tomatoes and celery and like there'd be like everything would be in the bag and I think be all so, together? Yeah. That's a very interesting. I like that. Yeah. I mean, You're I've, a bad man, I've seen those recipes before to make a ragu in the bag like that where you just kind of we could try that. I mean, you're down. definitely guaranteed, you know, the one thing you're not going to get, which you will get in a ragu and a bolognese is all that cooking down. Because while you're making a bolognese, you're also adding water as mm-hmm. it cooks and cooks. You know, it's like a three to four hour cook, mm-hmm. um, and it definitely you're using you know some dairy. You're doing whole fat milk, and then towards the end, I added a little bit of butter to compensate, just because I knew it was going to be dry period. I mean, I, and I do that even with some beef when I'm doing bolognese. So that's how but, you do the bolognese. I've never really made a proper bolognese. Yeah, very simple. It just takes time, and you you know you're slowly. Kind of. When do you put the milk in it? Uh, early on. And then it completely disappears. And then you can add some more if you want to. But it, <clears> so you add what, it in the early stages, like within the first what 30 is, minutes. What, what purpose does that serve if it completely... I think it releases some of the milk fat. It helps it to cook and you know add some moisture. That's how grandma made it and then that's how we're going to make it. But I also think that even if it disappears as you're adding liquid to it, you know, it's not... A bolognese is never necessarily kind of a dairy creamy penne alla vodka, mm-hmm. you know, Alfredo. Like sauce. Alfredo. It's like it, it really kind of, you know, whether that milk fat helps break down some of the meat in the early stages, um, or that the element in the milk. But it's usually called for in every recipe I've ever seen. Um. Yeah. Why? I, mean, I just googled why milk. It's often added to the cooked meat and then heat until it's gone. I don't get the step. Is it for color? Do the milk solids add texture? Mm, the understanding and is... Fartmaster69 says... <laughs> J Food says... Oh, wait. The milk, as it evaporates, coats and protects the meat from the acid that is brought into the dish from the wine. If the milk was not present to coat the meat, then the wine's acid would cure and toughen the meat. There you go. Mmm... Mmm, interesting. So that, ha- I mean, it keeps, obviously, it keeps the meat soft. It just can't possibly not have a purpose considering how ubiquitous of an ingredient it is. Mm-hmm. But I did learn something tonight. Grazie, grazie mille. Mm, yes, tender, rich, milky sweetness. And that also, the bolognese didn't come out, had a really nice texture, didn't come out too gamey. Um, I think. He's got to stop throwing the word gamey around, <laughs> considering how much I like elk and how I think it really doesn't really apply so far what we had. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of spaghetti and pasta, I went to a, 
What's your What's your favorite Korean spot for the bulgogi soup? Oh, Western Domo Noodle. I went to Western Domo Noodle a couple days ago. Delicioso. You ever go without me? I can't believe it. Horrible. <laughs> it's it's becoming it's it's when the last time we went and we and you have kind of like a little bit of a barn burner night there. Yeah. I feel like that's really the way to do it. It's the best. It's kind of treated like a pregame spot. Oh yeah. You have the soju. You have the beers. Mm. Grandma's there. And that you know you can kill yourself in there if you want to, or you can have a long <laughs> delicious meal that doesn't gut you, and you're happy to go and. Mm-hmm. Hang. What was the story there? Tell me about your dinner there. It was just just got the regular standard stuff. We got uh, got the bulgogi soup, of course. She, did she ask you why you didn't invite your friend? She did not. To I am now the, the new. I'm now the new you. No, she, she now loves me more no. than you love her because I can speak Korean to her. She wanted to brag to me that she makes all the banchan herself. She gave me free dukboki. Yeah, that always happens. Come it's on, not man. a competition. What did she bring? Oh, she brought us a free bibimbap last time, mm-hmm. which was nice. Mm. And then right down the street, I went to this little Korean dive bar spot, and they had the funniest bar snacks. There, there's two bar snacks. It's basically just like a little hole in the wall shit shithole place with K-pop on the on the TVs, and you can get beer or soju. <clears throat> and they have food, but I don't, I'm sure it's not good. But they brought out a free bowl of soup, which is just like a broth soup, which is which is basically hmm. just like liquid MSG with some like green onions in it. Right. So sort of. I mean, I'm assuming it's just um, in in hopes of you getting really dry mouth and salty mouth, so you keep ordering sure. beers. And then a plate of deep fried spaghetti. What? That's wow, that really is a plate of deep fried spaghetti. Plate of deep fried spaghetti, just covered, covered in salt. Just the weirdest snack. Fascinating. And it, and, and it, it's just like brown, crispy, and and the spaghetti is raw. Right, it's not cooked first. It's not and then, cooked yeah. first before it's fried. So they just dump a bunch of raw spaghetti in the deep fryer, golden brown and delicious. Sprinkle MSG on top, put it on a plate, and then I guess you just eat it. But the presentation on there, it looks like it's from Noma or something. It really does. <laughs> uh, more importantly, what's the verdict on fried spaghetti? I mean, it's just, it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> you but ate, also when I was you ate a, more than one stick. I ate more than one stick. But when I was a kid, I used to eat raw spaghetti. Sure. I don't know how common that is, but... Well, in what amounts? Just like one or two nibs. I feel like I still do that now. I st- I'll still do it now. It's a pleasant, pleasantly horrible crunch. While you're cooking and you're just kind of hanging out and you're like, hmm. I don't know if I've ever had that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a million times because I do it every time I cook pasta. <laughs> but it's got to be the spaghetti. It has. You can't do a thick macaroni shell or something like that. That'll, that's, a, that's a teeth shatterer. No, not a lasagna. A lasagna, a, a dry <laughs> lasagna. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> But uh, you got on a little angel hair, mm. a little spaghetti. Oh, angel hair would go down real nice. But let's we need to we need to experiment in deep fried dried spaghetti. <laughs> Sounds just horrible. <laughs> what if that was all you served, like a like the French fry place? Ooh! But all you had was different flavors, like just fried spaghetti shaked in different like horrible like sour cream and onion. Ooh! Yeah, don't don't cinnamon stick. Don't get started now, girl. Ketchup. It's not good. Ketchup powder. Ranch. <sighs> everything. Everything bagel spaghetti. Every, everything fried spaghetti. 
Speaking of fries, a couple fry things. All right. First of all, I saw the restaurant Al's Place, which is was voted like best restaurant in Bon Appetit like a year or two ago. They were they were doing pickle brine French fries. Hmm. Have you had that before? No, never even heard of it. I guess you just pickle brine the potatoes before you fry them. They're already cut. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you cut them, pickle brine them, and then fry them. I think I saw it be a thing. Like, there's nothing about pickles I don't love, whether it's the brine, just drinking pickle juice itself, or eating the pickles, or all things pickled. Well, maybe not pickled herring, but all vegetables pickled. Have you ever had pickle brine chicken? No. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of. Yeah, you just have mixed salt and. What do you do? Well, you're either making pickles and you have leftover brine, or you're just using a, a brine mix, which I've done because I've made my own pickles. That's not hard to do. Oh, this recipe I see on Bon Appetit, you pickle french fries in a salt and cabbage solution. And then as they start to lightly ferment, it infuses them with a slight tang. So it kind of has a salt and vinegar yeah. potato chip when you munch it. I love that idea. <clears throat> we got to try that. But then also I was at Whole Foods going through the samples. Of course. And there's a company that makes veggie fries. When you say samples, you just mean all the hot foods that are open to you eating? Oh, the, when those no one's are the looking? samples I sample every day. You're talking about the... The of the moment samples, the pop up samples. Oh yeah, not the grazing station. I'm, I'm talking about the samples where they set up. Yeah, on the corner. not the trough. Sure, not Got the trough. It. Yeah, that's that's what I do at Whole Foods every day of my life. When I when I eat food there, I just get a, fill up a salad, and then I eat about three to four dollars worth of hot food items, whole egg rolls, ravioli flaps, chilaquiles that were made. 13 hours beforehand. I think the amount of money we spend at Whole Foods, and I don't spend a ton, but I spend enough to get, like, you know, a little taste. Get a little, a little something on the arm when I head in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no shame. Yeah. Stealing from Whole Foods. <laughs> I guess when you say it that way, it sounds bad. Yeah, that's an extreme way. You have no problem taking extra free bite from the... Hot food section while you're making a twelve dollar salad. Yeah, I, I have a I have mental admiral club status when I walk in there. 100%. I feel like I've I have enough Whole Foods miles to when I walk in there, I can just knock things off the shelf and they'll be like, "Thanks, Jason." There are enough people in Whole Foods that say hello to you on a first name basis that it is semi admirals club like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just be like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take this, Joan," and she'll be like, "Yes, you are, Jason." You deserve it. I know this magazine, you have to buy it before you read it, but I'm not going to. There's a reason you're here in this interior lounge, Jason. <laughs> but I assembled this thing called Veggie Fries, mm-hmm. where it's like a product that is found in the frozen food section. They have it at like Whole Foods and Sprouts and other places all over the country, I'm sure. America, Gelson's. Um, and it's just French fries that are made out of different vegetables instead of potatoes. So it's not because there's an expose somewhere about you know like the vegetable chips that you see like vegetable chips. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. The new, they're they're just potato chips with like two or or flour chips that have less mm. than one percent any vegetable oh, whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. So these so these, these are real deal chips. 
These they're are real, real deal. Fries. They're they're vegan, non-GMO vegetables, and they're free of gluten, soy, dairy, wheat, all the allergens. So they're processed though to f- get put into potato form <clears throat> or French fry yeah, form. Yeah, so they they basically just get like a veggie mush and mix it with a little bit of potato, and you and it's frozen. Then you just bake them in the oven. And it was actually very delicious. Now, do you consider that processed food? For sure. For sure, right? For sure. Because it's, it's still, there's still some potatoes in there. But like, there's one kale and Tuscan herb. Hmm. Where it's just potatoes with kale and herbs. And it's like, you know, there's, there's protein and vitamins and all that things, all those things. And it's, and it seems like it's from like a real hippy dippy healthy, organic non-gmo type of company to where they'd actually be putting decent stuff in there i say give it a shot that was your favorite did you try more than one flavor um i had a carrot one broccoli (laughs) and they also and the kale and tuscan bean there it is i liked all of them i've got some rancho gordo butter beans in water right now and i was looking up I want to make a bean, a butter bean and sausage casserole. Ooh. I found butter bean maybe my favorite bean when when done well. It's the Cadillac. It's my favorite too. Yeah, it's so beefy. Yeah, you just the problem is you can't eat a lot of it because it's so much. It's like the best part of it is when they're cooked so well, like when you bite into them that texture, but you can only they're so filling. So you're gonna make a sausage butter bean casserole? Yeah. Is this an idea that you just thought of randomly, or no, you see a I recipe? Think I, I wanted sausage and butter beans, but I just didn't want it like, you know, I wanted it something more put together as a dish than just kind of the two of them then thrown just a together. Bowl, just a ladle full of it in a bowl? Yeah. So what are you going to do? I don't was know. It, I it, thought what, of it because you mentioned... What's your sauce Because you said kale and bean, and it reminded me that that's what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Having some time. Um, I don't know what kind of sausage yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And that, and then so the beans kind of then, well, like some onion. Is the sausage going to be in the casing or out of the casing? I think sliced. Some rounds? Sliced in the casing. Some corns? Yeah. Corns? And then maybe some fennel. um, Okay. Tomato. Sure. Um, Cook it down forever. Yeah. Bake like a casserole. Serve it with a little baguette. Maybe some marsala. (coughs) And then, yeah. Maybe a little baguette. A little drizzle of creme fraiche on top? Well, I think it might be just uh, like a breadcrumb. A little bit of creme fraiche? Bread cr- breadcrumb on top. Speaking of creme fraiche, I bought some. Still on a kick. I moved, I moved on to cottage cheese. What? Cottage cheese is having a huge moment right now. I don't like cottage cheese. I like the ones that are flavored that you turn me on to at Whole Foods. Like the mm-hmm. the Greek olive one. and Those are okay. People, but nine, most of the time, I know it's almost like a superfood. Like, and I've heard rumors that you're, if you eat a cup of it when you fall asleep because it's a negative calorie food, that your body digesting it burns more calories than it actually has. So people will just like really fall, just fall asleep on a bunch of cottage cheese. So cottage cheese is hot if you have an eating disorder. I'm assuming super sexy. You would just dip celery into cottage cheese. Yeah. And watch the pounds. Well, just isn't that melt the super off. classic diet plate? Is like mm-hmm. cottage cheese on a tomato. Oof. But I mean, I one think one black olive on top. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 starting to make. I think they're starting to make cottage cheese taste really good. 
I'll like, give it a shot. I mean, I I'm not, I don't hate cottage cheese. I just like every time I think I want to, I, every time I buy it, and I'm like, oh, that'll be like, I'll have a couple scoops of that over like for lunch with like some vegetables because I know it's super high in protein yeah. and it's good for you. And I do it. I'm like, this, I'm not into this. I think the the, the problem with it, is like, because people are starting to use it as like, now that Greek yogurt has had its huge moment and everyone loves it and uses it for everything, Fage is here. Now they're looking to the next thing, cottage cheese. But the problem is cottage cheese, it sort of like exists on its own. Like Greek yogurt, I've, like over the last two years, I've found every single thing you could do with Greek yogurt. Like I've used it as a substitute for every, everything in the world. Right. Like I'll make tuna salad with it instead of mayonnaise and I'll, you know, just... It goes in my banana bread. Yeah, put it into baked goods. Substitute sour cream for it, substitute it for mayonnaise... You can use it on all kinds of crap. But cottage cheese, it's just kind of like you put some salt and pepper on it and you eat it. And it's and it's good like that, but I don't really know how you can... And also, if when you get cottage cheese, can you just like put it in a food processor and and blend it down so it turns like a little more... A smooth a little, texture? A little less stucco-y. Great question. Has anyone ever done that? Does it break? Maybe it never actually yeah comes together. Maybe it never emulsifies. Can you just put it in a put it in a blender with some xanthan gum and a little bit of milk? I mean, and if you add it into a, like a cottage cream, I mean, if you add enough fat to anything, anything will emulsify, right? If you let mm. it go long enough, maybe cottage cheese is too lean to emulsify because emulsification happens from fat, right? So if you yeah. add enough like olive oil while you're emulsifying it, maybe that's what would bind it and mm-hmm. make it creamy, which then you'd be defeating the purpose of eating it in a way unless somebody found it and made it taste so good that it had to be a, an ingredient we need to experiment with this we need to we need to blast cottage cheese and make it smooth again make cottage cheese smooth again Mm-mm. no comment on that one Mm-mm. speaking of other healthy crap i was talking to lou our wine man again about germinated sprouted brown rice how did that come up he he said he got a this crazy fancy Korean rice cooker that has a setting on it for activating the sprouted germinated rice. So you get you get rice that you get brown rice that has like the it's not it's like a nicer fresh rice that has that still has a little sprout inside of it. And then when you germinate that sprouted rice uh, an amino acid called GABA is produced. Gamma um, aminobutric acid. And it's like a thing that Japanese people have been doing for a long time to make the rice more digestible and have all of the nutrients absorb into your body at a much better rate. Amazing. So the health benefits are much better. Yeah, there's a, there's a debate because... Traditional Chinese medicine considers white rice to be much more healthy because they believe, or brown schools, rice is for the pe- the peasants and the animals. Well, that the nutrients that are out inside those layers of brown rice, because all brown rice is is un unground white rice, mm. unshelled white rice, mm-hmm. is that you can't they just get past you don't actually digest them. So, right. um, but I think. Brown rice ends up having a lower glycemic index too, or something, right? <clears throat> yeah, but if you find a way to 
to sprout that and make it or so, you, so you can yeah. digest it and not just pass it, then so the sprouting the kind of makes the makes it okay. I'm yeah, in. So I mean, you, I can't wait to try it. I want to try sprouted brown rice. Yeah, you kind of have to like soak it, and then you. Did he invite us over? He did not. But you can look up online how to do it yourself. Uh huh. But I think I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I like eating. I eat brown rice all the time. Me too. And I, w- I would. I prefer it. Oh. Even though I'm told it's not as healthy as white rice by some very reputable TCM practitioners. Turner Classic Movies. Uh huh. That's the one. Yeah, your mom. Your mom would talk about that. I remember. She would. She's a rice. She's a rice lover. Very much so. She does she get wild rice? I don't mean wild rice. <laughs> I mean like I don't she used to. So when I went to high school in Santa Clara, we were close to San Jose, which has a very very big, very like very legit Japantown. <clears throat> and she would know when the new season of rice came out and they would send me in like on the way home, she'd make me stop after I had a car and go to the Japanese grocery stores and get the rice that was like limit one per person, like you know, in the forty pound bag. Mm. Yeah. Like when the new Yeezys drop and it's you gotta go wait in line for the rice. Exactly. Interesting. So yes, she likes her white rice <clears throat> and she likes but she eats brown rice sometimes now. She's a little bit less adamant. Um but she likes her rice and she likes her green tea very much. You might say those are her vices. Yeah, what I mean, what a what a life to have when your vices are green tea and I, I mean like she, she spends money Oxycontin. on those things. Where like she spends money on green tea where you're mm-hmm. like that's nuts and then you try it and you're like, Well, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah, well I mean that's the thing. Once you ha once you once you taste that, how do you go back? Once you get that good good. It's like when we buy overpriced coffee beans. Yes. You know. We're never gonna go buy the bad coffee beans again. Yeah, I had to, I had all day yesterday, all I could do is drink, what are those pods? Keurig. Not fun. So bad. Not fun. So convenient, crazy, I get it. I mean, I get it. If it tasted good, I would buy one, because it's so amazing, considering like the ritual I do every morning to make coffee, it's like 15 minutes, and I have to be in front of it the whole time, <clears throat> as opposed to like just popping that thing in doing something, coming back, and if it was delicious, it sounds like heaven. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't taste very good. No. Um, my friend Chris Black, he went to this restaurant in Toronto mm. over the last, a few days ago, and he said it was amazing. It's called Montgomery's, mm. and he showed me the menu, and it was really, really interesting. I'll go over it. There's uh, <clears throat> There's bread you can get. Salted butter is free. Dandelion and garlic butter is a dollar. Cultured butter is two dollars. Sour vegetables, four dollars. Mussels, fermented chili, and raw mushrooms, fifteen dollars. Duck creton, smoked mustard, fried bread, and pickles. I don't know what that is. Beef tagliatelle, collard greens, anchovy, black walnut. Broccoli yogurt, horseradish, steamed new potato, cured roe, brie, steamed leek, caramelized whey, anise, cooked lettuce in broth, hmm. steamed custard, all kinds of weird stuff. I like it. Um, a lot of people are using whey lately, I see. People are whey lovers. Have you experienced cooking whey at all? 
No, not at all. <laughs> who who has? I knew I had to look for it when I was vegan and I couldn't eat anything if it hadn't been. <laughs> and I was like, gah! Now Way has a good flavor. Soft, soft batch cookies. I feel like we made Way, no way. When, when we were making those elk. Well, that's what I'm talking about. When we were making those elk burgers, I made that super two creamy, creamed, creamed... Uh, chard. Chard and fennel. Chard. Yeah, it... It tasted good, but it's way it was way too rich, and I added too much cream. But it was yeah, it tasted very good. It made me want to make cream chard. Yeah, I just just chard chopped down, super small stems and all. I like to use the stems because that's what I do when I steam chard. Mm-hmm. Fennel chopped down, super small. Garlic, onion, cook that down, sweat it for ten minutes. Salt, pep, red chili flake, and then you just add cream and cook it down. But it turned, I added too much cream, so the cream... Because normally when you do cream spinach, you cook it and then you also drain it. You either put it through like a chinois, press it through to get all the water out, or you put it into a towel, <clears> like <throat> a kitchen towel and squeeze it. Yeah. You, can't, you didn't do that step. But I also didn't use spinach. Right. Which might, that, it might have more water, you think, than chard? Way more water, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you, when, you, when you put spinach in a pan within five milliseconds it has reduced to invisible and chard sort of retains its shape pretty well but i'm saying even when you cook it down then you still you still squeeze it too like if you cook if you cook spinach like that i feel Mm -hmm. like when you're doing greens or chard also it cooks almost similar down in a way like when you put three heads of chard like into a saute pan and Cover the lid. You're like, oh, I've got. But it doesn't really ever make servings. like a pool of moisture the way spinach does, or like when you cook mushrooms down. Yeah, that's probably like true. That. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think the right. problem was I just added too much cream. But I cooked it down for so long that the cream started turning like this. It almost started turning into like a caramel. Like it got a little. It started turning kind of yellowish and tan color, and it got really thick. And I feel like that's. Uh, I was. I just. I was on the road to making caramel, but then, is how do you make caramel? Don't you just do that? Do yeah, you just, just like cook sugar and milk down forever. That's it, right? And, and, that's, not, and not even forever, just like very quickly, depending on how brown you want the caramel to get. The, how brown you want the caramel to get depends on what sugar you're using and how long you want to cook it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like making a roux. Like you can do a light roux or a dark roux. Hmm. Well, this was this was a, this was sort of getting to that point. Yeah, and it was it was it was starting to look like bubble gum, almost yellowish bubble gum. Um, but it ended up being a very nice. It was too much to eat on its own, but it ended up making a really nice burger. Was condiment. It, it was a good burger condiment. I feel like we I, we stumbled upon something that could be an interesting idea of a cream chard burger. Yeah, instead of. I mean, it has all the flavor. It has all the fat. It of, has the, of a mayo. The green so that replaces the mayo. Yeah, it replaces everything. All you uh, you just yeah. have just burger. You need some acid. You need a you need a mustard or a ketchup to bring a little tang. I mean, you get acid from the onion in there. Well, that's not the same kind. <laughs> you know, what I'm talking. There's no tang in that onion. But no, no, all right. I mean, I've, I mean, I guess I've had burgers that were kind of. Well, not every burger had needs no that acid. I mean, like burger going in this mouth does. No, I'm kidding. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but like, what's on the father's office burger? It's like a lather, isn't it? 
A lather? Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Can they make like a tomato lather? Like a ketchup lather? Oh, leather. Leather. Lather. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, it's like a tomato shampoo. Yeah. You just let it sit for a while and then... You just work up a good, a good ketchup lather. I've heard lather before. I've heard leather and lather. I don't know if lather is a thing. And I think they don't have a tomato lather. No. I think it's just like mayonnaise, arugula, and then like a really gnarly cheese. Yeah. And then caramelized onion. It is a heavy cheese. I do like that burger a lot. Mm -hmm. I can look it up and see if there's anything in there. So I say experiment with making a fennel, charred, onion, garlic, creamed, cooked down into a condiment. Put that on the burger instead. It'll be fun. It'll be weird. But it could be it could be a new thing that we invented that we'll never do anything with. I would do something with it for sure. Yeah, you would. Speaking of burgers again, you made some wild sliders when we were watching the <laughs> Finding Champions. They were not that wild, but they were they were delicious. They were good. They were fun. Beef, onion ring, barbecue sauce, bacon on Hawaiian sweet roll. Can't stop munching them. Yeah, that, those were really good. And the fact that you made like thirty of them was really what kind of put it over the borderline. I was. I I underestimated how hard that would be to turn out. Well, I made 30 of them because that's what they came in a package or something. Or something. There was some reason why I made 30 because I didn't even know how many people were going to be over. And then halfway through, I get a text from... So I'm bringing... I made these slides for a party, which you were at, for a person down the hall. So <laughs> right, right down the door. And it took me like an hour and a half. And like 50 minutes in, I just got a text from the person's... I'm like, pizza's here. I'm just like, God damn it. There's form 30 patties. I've just cooked off 16 of them. I've got like bacon and onion rings in the oven. I'm doing buns in the toaster oven. I'm just like running the line hard. And I'm just like, nobody's going to be hungry about it because I still need another 40 minutes easily just to plate these and bring these over. <laughs> but it came out, everybody, I mean, they got crushed. There was only like six left, I think. I ate one the next day. Yeah. I ate two the next day. Those are a good cold leftover burger situation for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... So it was a bacon western cheese slider with no cheese, and we had this discussion that night. I, it's really hard to find frozen onion rings that are decent, and I was very disappointed in the ones that I had. But they <laughs> did the job. They tasted an, an, enough like an onion ring, but if those sliders had a better onion ring, they kind of would have gone over the top. I agree. Just blasted over the top. Like, if you could have just imagined a fresh onion ring on there, forget about it. <laughs> uh... I made I made beef and pickle six layer dip. Always delicious. So it's to me it's amazing how much better the six layer dip is when there's pickle in it. It's a weird one. I mean it's just I just oh, beef and pickle tacos are amazing. I just too. love the beef and pickle taco where it's just crunchy taco shell, ground beef with taco seasoning, shredded, unmelted cheddar, and pickles. Yep. That combo together is so good to me. Sometimes a little less tomato, too. No, no, no. Just those. But just those. Just those. Um, and I wanted to recreate that with a, with a five-layer dip, six-layer dip. And it's so easy. You just get some, some refried beans. I cook them down with some garlic and onion, salt and pep, smear it in the bottom of the pan, cook down that taco meat, hit it with the seasoning packet. You can do turkey. You can do elk, ostrich, whatever you want. Cook that down, smear that on top, then... Cut up a bunch of pickles, put it in a bowl with sour cream, and then pour in some pickle juice. 
mix that all together. I used creme fraiche. It was not a good idea. The creme fraiche sort of evaporated and soaked into the meat. Not I, unlike a Mexican bolognese with that milk wrapping itself around the taco <laughs> meat to protect it. I think my favorite part about a five-layer dip is the refried beans. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm going to make one. You want beans not on the bottom? I think I need four layers of bean. So you don't have way to, more bean. So you don't have to hit the bottom. I don't not necessarily way more bean, but when it's oh. the bottom layer, and I also like it kind of you know layered through multiple oh, layers of bean, like a lasagna. Exactly. When you do your favorite layers multiple times. Oh. I think that's what I'm gonna try next time. But that's the I problem. It's, it's kind of hard to do layers, multiple layers of things because the way they lay. Like well, it's with, about the weight, right? So the, the beans with, will just sink through things that well, have with, with a lasagna less density. You have the lasagna noodles as like the different floors right. to, uh, this is a to very, smear your base. So like it's a very good smear, point. If you have ground beef and sour cream sitting there, how hard would it be to put a layer of refried beans on top of that? Good point. I'm just going to make bean dip then next time. It's impossible. No. Well, unless Maybe we could do it. What if we could do it? Well, I found out. I just thought of a way to do it. Lasagna noodles. <laughs> piping bag. Oh, yeah. That would work. Yeah, Refried, piping bag would totally refried work. Refried beans in the piping bag. Get a nice wide felt tip on it, like a nice three-inch tip. And then you just spray down a layer like you're, like you're putting stucco on the ceiling. That, sound, that sounds like so much work for so five-layer dip. So much work for a bean dip. But, like, you but know. also, it might be the best bean dip ever because it's going to be all soft and aerated. It's going to have a great little texture. Oh, there's lard in those beans, so so they move. Don't worry, honey. No, but I mean, like when you when you kind of like put it out like a fun frosting, like it already mm. comes out. You know, it's it's gonna have a real nice texture. Ooh, are there are there gonna be whipped refried beans? Just airy. Well, well this I think, is nasty. I think we have to try it now. I don't have a piping bag though. No, I, I mean like a real piping bag with like the. The right tip, not just putting it into Doing a, a Ziploc like, bag and cutting the end off. I'm not talking about that stuff. The Ziploc's not going to handle. No. Not going to handle the beans. What if we do the CO2 piping bag, like the CO2 oh canister? God. Shooting refried beans through a CO2 can? <laughs> yes. That does not sound possible at all. I think it sounds like a great idea. I mean, you see. Can we do it at your house? <laughs> uh, you see on like cooking shows all the time where they're like, "All right, I'm going to make this foam of blah blah blah," and it's just like water crest foam it's just like it's just like liquid right and they shake it put the thing turn it upside down and they pull the trigger and it's just like and it just like shoots nothing out yeah how is it how are the thickest bean just like it's just some it's just napalm quicksand shooting out well what if we get like an air compressor instead of a co2 canister okay now we're now we're talking yeah. <laughs> stewie's probably got a nail gun lying around somewhere well, i mean or yarl shout out to yarl you got an air compressor we can borrow for this experiment. <laughs> refried bean foam. Tarl. Yarl. Refried bean foam sounds like an April Fool's joke. But willing to try it. At your house. <laughs> That's fine. <clears throat> um, we just like, we turn into a crime scene where we're just like taping off plastic on all the walls before it happens. Some, the mailman just walks up and like, got a package. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah, you know, that's... It's a lot of work for a bean dip, but that's kind of what I'm into. So Dexter-style cooking session will be required. Going back to rice, I had lunch at one of my favorite restaurants, Rafi in Glendale, yeah, you did. earlier in the week. 
right before you bought bought some Slayer sweatpants at Supreme, which was very cool. <laughs> Uh, I won't cut that out. But they had, well, I had a, this rice. It was like hot pink rice with cranberries and kind of like it was like a sweet kind of cinnamony flavor. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it before, but like the rice was cooked with cranberries and it was. And you it was t- no, you told me on pink. the way, and I've never had that either. And it, it sounds. It was really so interesting. And then um, cranberries is one of the. I don't like it in a salad, and I don't like fruits and salads for the most part. I'm not really a cranberry fan at all, unless. But I am a I'm a cranberry fan for a lot of re, for a lot of things. Also, no no uh, bite I'm is not just untouched. Talking about cranberry and vodka. Yeah, well that too. There's no bite untouched at my Thanksgiving that doesn't have at least a drive-through of the gravy train. Cranberry sauce. I mean sauce? the cranberry train. Like it, even if it, if it's not on top, it gets slid by. Like See, a little I'm fender the bender. For Thanksgiving. No, I don't want really cranberry. Like putting cranberries on the turkey sandwich the oh, next day for me, that, that's sacrilegious. For heaven, me. absolute heaven. I know most people love that. I think it ruins it. But cranberry sauce is so easy to make and so good. You literally take a bag of cranberries and squeeze a bunch of orange juice and orange zest and a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar and you boil it down and it turns into magic. Yeah, my mom. My mom is listening right now and, and singing your praises. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry. You put a little clove in there? Yeah, you can for sure. Oh. Okay. You can put anything in there. Yeah, for me, it just never does it. But, and they had, at, at the Persian kebab place, they have they have kebabs where sometimes if you if you get a bunch of it, they'll bring out a platter where they lay out a bunch of lavash bread, put all the kebabs on top of it, and then put more lavash on top of the kebabs to keep it warm. And it reminded me of this this Persian, I don't know, it's kind of like a figure of speech. A meat tent. It's a meat tent, but there's there's like a weird metaphor that's involving this meat tent that, that one of my, that my ex's uncle told me a long time ago that always stuck with me, that was really funny. It's like an analogy comparing the, that specific thing of like, putting your kebabs on top of the bread and and it's called it's called nun nune zire kebab that just means bread under the meat and it, and the metaphor is you secretly like you see the meat and you obviously that's going to be the best part but you secretly deep down like eating the meat soaked bread that's all soggy underneath more than the actual meat Mm. And that's and they use that that metaphor of bread under the meat for when you, you like you see a woman that at first that she seems like the 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 hottest woman or like the the best suited choice but you secretly like covet her sister or her best friend. Whoa! So you would call you would say like nune zire kebab when like. You secretly actually love your wife's sister or best friend or something like that. Or like your girlfriend is really hot, but her less attractive friend who nobody cares about that much, you actually really like her a lot because she's fun and special and cute or something. And and that, that weird analogy always stuck with me. That might be the best cultural anecdote that's ever been on this show. Well played. Wagwan. That's amazing. And it's so amazing to think that yeah, that the, there would be such kind of an, an elaborate, an elaborate line drawn between that. Mm-hmm. The Persians love to covet. 
Yeah. There you go. First and foremost. Yeah. Land, mules, <laughs> gold, camels, doesn't matter. <laughs> All of those things. <laughs> Huts. You get it. Women's. Women's. Um, all right. We're now we're going to talk about the best thing we ate all week, bro. Do you do you have one on deck, or should I go first? Oh, I got two, and I just don't. I've been battling back and forth all week. Okay, well then, go for it. You go first. Um, I would say the meal that we had together at EPLP. Mm, yeah, for sure. But I went to Brent's Deli like a day before that, mm. and that well, was do two then. But um, so I would say. Everything we ate at EPLP, there wasn't one weak link in the entire meal. It was absolutely outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I don't know. I, I think because I've never had anything similar, but the oysters on the half shell with kefir lime, chili juice, and I'm trying it was, to remember. It was tomato, cilantro, and lime. And kefir lime. And some chili. There was some chili in there. Yeah, yeah. It was like a chili, chili water, or cilantro, chili oil, yeah. or something like that. And I don't know if you can even describe that as a mignette, because I think a mignette is <clears> probably <throat> very specific, but it seemed very similar to one. Mm-hmm. And it was just the brightest, best-tasting oyster I've ever had in my entire life. Damn. And I think most, a very large part. I mean, the, the oyster was excellent. Um, obviously, if Damn. it wasn't, it wouldn't have worked. But just that as the the sauce on it, the mignette, the... The accompaniment, it was so good. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was really good. And we, and they also started us off with a mezcal sampler at a mm-hmm. Thai restaurant, which was very odd and and amazing. And wonderful. Yeah, I think that one... I mean, for me, for me, my best thing must have... It was it was probably... I think for me, is the elk ragu. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot a lot of that was obviously because the elk ragu, but also because the because you cooked the pasta, this perfect ass al dente, and a lot mm. of that was also because it was fresh pasta. Yeah, they were able to to get that. But also cooking fresh pasta perfectly is kind of hard. Can be like it's so much more less so much less forgiving than than dried pasta. Like yeah, you got like a minute window. Yeah, it's very very easy to screw up fresh. But it was pasta. spaghetti too. It wasn't angel hair. Mm-hmm. So. A little, little easier. Yeah, pro tip, if you live in L.A., go to Little Dom's, and they have... Little, little Dom's Deli. Little Dom's Deli, right next door to Little Dom's in, in Los Feliz, and you can buy f- their fresh-made pasta for $2 a serving. Yeah, and they're generous servings. So usually yeah, big serving. I get one less serving I need. Like So if I'm having four people, I get three servings, and there's usually leftover. Yeah. And they have Such a deal. angel hair, spaghetti, and sometimes fettuccine. Mm-hmm. And they have all their sauces and their own pickles and jams inside there, their preserves. There's lots of things you can get inside, but the crazy pro tip is how cheap and how good that pasta is. I mean, you can't buy fresh pasta at a store that oh, yeah. either, that comes even close to as good, much less it's going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. 100%. On right, that there. note, you're going to need that perps, buddy. Yeah, it's time for me to um, immediately upload this podcast, make tartar, chug, and energy drink. Shout out to perps. And then go DJ. Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks to May again for our cool artwork. Respect to you. It's, it's heating up the internets. Udon's coming up next week. Udon's Shout coming up next Udon. week. Don't worry, Udon lovers. I still have no idea how to make Udon sauce. It's going to happen. 
I'm, I'm thinking um, I'm thinking Korean chicken noodle soup style. Oh, like samyang tang. That's right. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking boiling down some pork necks and some beef bones. Okay, hot shot. Okay. No, not hot no, no, shot. No, no, no. That's a very different thing. Well, same thing. Let's yeah, different. Okay, yeah. I mean, that sounds better. Yeah. But I, I, I want to do like a Korean, like a, like a make a chicken noodle soup, mix some stock out of those bones, mm-hmm. put in some, some veggies, put in some kimchi, let that just cook down for a long time. Mm-hmm. Put those, those noodles in there, put some spring onion, some sesame seed. Mm hmm. Maybe maybe just put in some eggs, like an egg drop. Whisk that in there. Last man. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds gross. I think it's going to be good. Follow me on social media, at them jeans. Under Connor has no social media. The stewpodcast.com is a website with all the stuff. If you like the show, please just take a quick moment to give us a good rating and review on iTunes. Andre's mom is concerned that we haven't had a good review in a while. Yeah. What's going on with that? She mentioned, she's like, he hasn't even had a y- review in like over a year. It's really messed up, Jill. Like, Jill. Jill Shout out. out. Mom. Okay, bye. Bye.